Good morning. We are so grateful that you are here. We've got a lot of folks with us this morning from various uh, parts of life, different areas, a lot of visitors who are with us, some who are not quite visitors, a lot of different folks, and we're just grateful that you're here with us this morning. I'm going to have to ask you to bear with me just a moment as we begin. I've got a few housekeeping things we need to make mention of or want to make mention of. Uh, several of our kids have already noticed, I feel like we need to address, it is a little darker in here this morning. Uh, I know Campbell came up to me and said, is it darker in here? And I said, no, it's not darker. And then I realized it was. I heard Asher say it to Marshall. Uh, we have a light out back here on this side. Uh, not much to worry about necessarily. I, the big news is this corner, I guess, gets the sleeping pass today because they're kind of a little darker over there and they can, can make it a little, uh, uh, but the kids all said, is it darker? And we're all like, I don't think so. But yeah, they notice. Sometimes the kids notice things that we don't. So, uh, but we're grateful for the chance to be here. We're thankful for the building uh, that is here. We had a great men's meeting yesterday morning, <coughs> pardon me, uh, where we talked about a lot of things. We appreciate our men who do so much to keep the building up and going and of course things like that happen from time to time but so many uh, of our deacons and our men who help with the various uh, ways that uh, keep us going around here from week to week we're so thankful. I want to make mention of that as well because we had a great meeting. Uh, any of you men who were not able to be with us we missed you uh, but as always the information that we presented is still available. Uh, you can certainly see one of the elders, uh, the budget and things a lot of, that's available a lot of times during the year. A lot of times I know Bill would take the Sunday after that meeting, and I've kind of done it as well, uh, to talk about some facts and figures and some things. I decided not to do that this year. As I mentioned last week, I've got a lot of sermon topics in the hopper and trying to work through a lot of things, so I wasn't going to pause some of the series we've been going through to do that today, but certainly any questions you have of our elders, of our deacons, of anything, uh, be sure to ask. We just had a great meeting and a chance to uh, present a lot of the material and the work that's being done here, and we just want you to know that and, and to ask any questions you may have. Uh, our family asked for prayers. Uh, your prayers this week as we travel. We'll be heading out to Free Hardeman tomorrow for the Free Hardeman lectures for the week. We won't be here Wednesday night. We do plan to be back by Sunday, though, and so we need to want to make mention as well that next Sunday is going to be a very special day. We do plan to have our regular scheduled services, our regularly scheduled Sunday class, service, lunch, and then a shortened service at 1.30 because we will be hosting the teen singing at 2.30. And we hope to have a, a large crowd here for that. We'll be asking for your help uh, as we provide snacks and things for those folks. So we will have 1.30 service, maybe a little shorter so that we can be done a little after 2. I think last year we did this around August or September, and some folks had kind of rolled in as we were finishing up, but that's all right. They waited, and we finished our service. But we'd love for you to be a part of all day. I know that's a long day uh, for folks, but the teen scene is encouraging and is great, and we want for you to be a part of that as well. We started a series last week talking about prayer, trying to encourage ourselves to think about some ideas that the Bible presents in regards to prayer. And what we said last week was that we were going to take a look at three different lessons. The one last week dealt with our attitude. We talked a little bit about what we should be thinking and what should be going through our mind and, and us personally as we pray. This morning we're going to talk about the action of prayer, our actions in prayer. And this afternoon, if you can be back with us at 1.30, we're going to talk about some answers. And as I've said, I certainly don't have all the answers, but some questions have come up that we can answer together. I will also tell you that we're going to shift our thinking a little bit this afternoon to the regards of public prayer versus private prayer. And that's not good or bad. It's just kind of the nature that we do pray in private. But we also have opportunities to pray in public. 
Certainly our men do more in the worship service setting here, but you ladies do from time to time in class or ladies' days or things. And so it helps us to consider some questions that might come up in regards to, to public prayer as well. And so this morning as we think about our action, we said last week that there is no magic formula to get your prayer heard by God. Right? We don't have to, God's not waiting, sort of half listening, and he's waiting for this magical phrase. And as soon as we say that, then it unlocks God to hearing our prayers. That's not true. This morning, I'd like for us to consider that there is no special stance to getting your prayer heard. You don't have to be in one type of, of standing or, or one type of kneeling or anything like that. There's not one particular type of action, again, that unlocks God hearing our prayers. But that being said, let's consider this morning some actions that we might find helpful. What I'd like for us to do this morning is take some of those W questions that you talk about in school, right? You learn about the who and the where and the when and the what. We're going to talk about some of those. For the sake of time, we're going to kind of skip over the who and the why. Because those are maybe a little bit easier in some ways. The who, of course, involves us. We are praying And the who also involves God. We're not praying to a statue. We're not praying to the ceiling. We're praying to God, the almighty creator of everything. And so it's us praying to him. That kind of leads into the why then. Why do we pray? Well, it is our way of communicating. It's our way of having a relationship with God. As was mentioned, and we've been mentioning, we're getting ready, several of us, to attend a marriage retreat here in just a few weeks. But anyone who's been in any kind of relationship, while we focus on marriage sometimes and the relationship between a husband and a wife, if you have friends, if you have a boss, if you interact with anyone and try to have a relationship beyond the surface level, right, you may not have a relationship with the cashier at Walmart or or the grocery store because you say, hey, how are you? I'm good. And then you go on your way, right? Very surface level. But if you're going to have a relationship, you have to communicate and communicate deeper than just that exchange. If we want to have a relationship with God, we need to us, ourselves, pray to him. That's who's involved here. Why? So that we can have that relationship, so that we can communicate. And we talked a little bit about the why last week in our attitude lesson why we pray to him, what we're trying to accomplish. So then let's move on from those, but let's consider a few more of those questions this morning. First of all, where? Where should we pray? And the most beautiful answer to me when it comes to this is anywhere. Anywhere. Now, if you have your Bibles, you may want to be opening to Matthew chapter 6. We spent some time there last week, and we'll be examining that passage again in several points this morning. But the answer to where, where is it in our actions that we are to pray, the answer is very simple, yet so profound, in that we can pray anywhere. I think that every person in attendance this morning knows that. But can I ask you if you've considered that? Have you really pondered that? How wonderful is it that we can pray anywhere? I know that these little devices that we carry around with us have kind of changed the idea that we can communicate with anyone, anywhere, at any time. But some of you may remember when you couldn't just text someone or call someone just at the spur of the moment 
We, weren't, we didn't have that kind of connection. But guess what? Even before those devices came along, we could have that kind of connection with God. Have you pondered the idea of how wonderful it is? Have you considered that? We don't have to go to Jerusalem to pray. You might say, well, then we'd never pray. Well, yes, obviously, us here, we would never pray. We don't have to come to this building. Have you ever considered that? Have you ever wondered what would happen if we turned through Scripture and it said, you can only pray when you're inside the church building or on the front pew? How often might you find yourself at work or at the store and you find out some saddening, disturbing news and the first thing you think is, I've got to get to the church building in order to pray to God? We don't think that way. We don't have to. Or what about the fact that we're also going to mention that Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 6 that we are to pray in our room? What if the Bible suggested or told us that that was the only place that we could pray? I know Jesus says here that's where we're supposed to kind of go. We'll get to that in a second. But what if that was the only place? You're at work and your wife texts you and says one of the kids is going to the hospital by ambulance. Something has happened and you say, oh, I wish I could go home first so I could go into my closet and pray because that's the only place I can pray. That's not what God has told us. There is not one location we have to be in. Consider in the Bible even. While Jesus makes this statement in Matthew chapter 6, in the Bible we see prayer in the temple. We see prayer on the battlefield. We see prayer in a closet, in a garden, on a mountaintop, on a housetop, in prison. Prayer is offered in all sorts of locations. I mentioned to you last week that I used to love my drive from Amnicola back to Dunlap each day when I worked where the, for the steel place that I worked for before because I could pray in the car. Yes, in my car. Many of you have probably done that. No, not eyes closed, right? Not head bowed as I'm trying to drive down the road. But I could stop and have a moment of prayerful attitude, of praying and communicating with God. Do you remember here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, as Jesus is setting up the model prayer, he talks about praying alone and praying in your room. And can I suggest to you this morning that maybe this should be our go-to move. This should be our go-to place, praying in your room. This should be our habit. The only place, no, no, don't misunderstand, but maybe it should be our habit. There is nothing wrong with praying in a group. There's nothing wrong with praying in a public setting, praying with your spouse or your kids, but I think it should be our habit that we pray, as Jesus says, in secret. Remember the warning that verse 5 bears for us from the mouth of Jesus that they, right, and we talk about the group they, we don't want to be a part of that, but they pray how? Where? To be seen by men. Don't be like that. Don't be that way. Turning your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3 for just a moment. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. Before we move off this point, I want to share one thought with you. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. As we consider our idea of prayer and where we pray, I remember as a teenager going to a youth retreat. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I remember going as a teenager on this youth retreat 
And one of the speakers said, do you know God's phone number? Do you know God's phone number? And they said, God's phone number is 333. And they pointed out this passage, and we turned to it together, and we read it as we've done this morning. And I look back on that, and sometimes I think, well, maybe that's a little trite. I, I don't know, but maybe not. The message of Jeremiah 33, 3 is God says, call me, and I will answer. When someone asks you for your phone number, what are they expecting to do? They're expecting to be able to communicate with you. They're essentially saying, you can call me, and I will answer you. And so maybe in that regards, I'm not trying to bring it down to too low of a level, but maybe in that regards, this is a wonderful passage to remind us that God says, and not just in this place, but in so many, call to me and I will answer you. Anytime, anywhere, we can have communication with the Father. How wonderful and special that is. Number two, let's consider what? What is it about prayer? Now, as you see here on the screen, it's a mention of what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. I would invite you again to come back at 1.30. We're going to talk in more detail this afternoon about some of the what in regards to prayer. What we do, what we say. But we talked last week about this. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's no caveat there. There's no, well, you can't pray for this, and you should pray for that, but not for this. In everything, in everything, let your requests be made known to God. We often sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. The question I usually ask you is, do you mean it when you sing it? Do you truly take anything to the Lord in prayer? There are so many examples in the Bible that we won't have time to look at all of them of what we can and should pray for. One of the most, of course, well-known passages is James chapter 5. If you're there in the New Testament, James chapter 5, verse 15, we need to pray for the sick. James 5 and verse 16, we need to pray for one another. James chapter 1 and verse 5, we need to pray for wisdom. And even in trouble, we need to pray. The beautiful example of Jesus as he did, even to exertion in Luke chapter 22 and verse 44 with sweat like drops of blood. Have we prayed in trouble, in trial, in temptation, for sickness and in health? for wisdom, for one another. The list goes on and on of things that we should pray for. But the what, interestingly enough to me, is as wide open as the where. If we can pray anywhere, we can bring anything to God. The question is, do you believe that God hears you? Do you believe that God hears you when you pray? Do you believe that he answers. If the answer is yes, take it to the Lord in prayer. Everything, take it to God in prayer. Now again, we're going to hone in this afternoon on public versus private prayer. 
There's a time maybe to pray scripture. There's a time where some folks sit down and they pray through the Psalms. There may be other times to pray to God about certain things. Probably prayer is not often when we should try to preach a sermon, right? God doesn't need a sermon preached to him. But at other times, we might pray through Scripture. There's a certain time or a time to pray certain things, maybe in certain ways. And again, that's what we're going to focus on a little bit. But what? I think it's wonderful that we see in Scripture that it's as wide open as the where. Pray any time and pray about anything. I remember as a teenager again, the example we always use, right, was are you allowed to ask God to help you in taking this test, right? As we always said, you know, is that wrong to ask God to help you with this test? We'd say, well, no, not in one sense. It might be a little selfish or wrong to ask God to give you the answers, even if he did work that way. But for God to give you strength or courage or help in a time of trial or a time of struggle, no. We can take anything to him. What should we pray? So many examples of so many things in Scripture that encourage us to take anything. What about how? What about how? I know this is not that W question, but we sometimes include that in when we talk about those different questions. What about how? Once again, as we read Scripture, there are multiple positions or stances in prayer. We go even as far back as Genesis chapter 24 and verse 13. And in Genesis 24 and verse 13, we see that Abraham's servant is standing. He's standing as he's going to be praying, saying this prayer to God. So we sometimes stand in prayer. Nothing wrong with that. Standing. We also see from Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 the idea of kneeling. Do you remember that Daniel is where? Where's Daniel, first of all? What's our habit? He's in his room, right? Jesus said it, but Daniel was practicing it long before Jesus came to this earth. But where is Daniel? He's in his room. What's he doing? He's kneeling in prayer. Three times that day, as was his custom, he kneels in prayer to God. And what about Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 39? You know, I typed that into the slide as I was making my slides here. I thought that looks kind of weird just to say on your face, right? But do you remember the example of Jesus there in Matthew chapter 26? He's fallen on his face and he prays. He's in the garden, of course. He's in the garden of sorrow. He's in the garden of struggling as he knows what is coming and he's about to lay down his life. Have you ever knelt and maybe even fallen on your face in prayer? So yes, the Bible is pretty open to how you stand. The actual action. I said this lesson is about action. Here are some different ways that you can act in prayer. But do not forget the warning of Jesus there in Matthew chapter 5 about being seen by men. Can I challenge your thoughts? Jesus says there, I said it wrong just a moment ago, Matthew chapter 6, excuse me. But I, I said it just a moment ago, can I challenge your thoughts to be careful not to pray to be seen by men? And let me illustrate is there anything sinful about raising your hands in prayer? I don't think so. Is there anything sinful about opening your eyes while you're driving or opening your eyes and bowing your head and not bowing your head, excuse me, not bowing your head in prayer? Again, I would say no, not inherently 
sinful. The question that you have to answer, though, is what is your attitude when you're praying? You don't have to be on your knees. You don't have to be on your face. But what was Jesus and Daniel showing in a way when they did that? They were showing their attitude. They were showing humility. And let me ask you, who were they around when they did those things? Well, Jesus, the Bible tells us, was by himself. He had left the apostles. They were sleeping, right? And he left and he's by himself. Daniel is in his room by himself. I'm not suggesting that you can only pray on your knees or on your face when you're alone. I'm not suggesting that you cannot ever raise your hands or that your eyes must be closed about every time, but I am suggesting that we be honest enough to consider our attitude, our heart in these things. Some people might raise their hands, as some people did that Jesus described in Scripture to be seen by men. Some folks do those things so that they can only be seen. The Bible doesn't say your eyes must be closed. Your Bible doesn't say your head must be bowed. But do you remember the place that we see a head being bowed? If you have your Bible, look in Luke chapter 18 and verse 13 and remind yourself. Luke 18 verse 13. Where's the place that we see? Probably not the only one. Again, we mentioned Jesus was was bowed down on his face. Luke 18 and verse 13. Who's the person who we see the position of a head bowed in prayer? It's the tax collector, right? He's been contrasted with the Pharisee. The Pharisee is standing. Is it wrong to stand? Well, I hope not. Or else just a few moments ago, we got a problem with Ricky. I picked on Travis last week. We got a problem with Ricky, right? Because Ricky was standing. Is he wrong? I don't think so. But the Pharisee was standing. What's the tax collector doing? He has his head bowed. Why does Jesus tell this parable? Is it to say that standing is wrong and kneeling and bowing your head is right? Or is it to talk about the attitude? To say that that man who is standing is standing on the street corner to be seen and the man who is kneeling and bowing his head is beating his chest as a humble servant saying, I am a sinner and I need you. How should you pray? We need to remember our humble spirit. Is that what we are doing? How do you pray? Well, there are lots of positions, but what's the position of your heart, your attitude when you pray? Let's finish with the when. When should you pray? Well, I'm going to give you two S words here. The first is scheduled. You need to pray on a schedule. Does that mean that at 8 o'clock is the only acceptable time? Or 12 o'clock, or what time was it a few moments ago, of 10.55? Is that the only acceptable time to pray? Of course not. But having set times to pray can help develop a habit of prayer. I don't know if you've ever studied habits before. I read part of a a book about habits. We just purchased one uh, for our family that's been good to talk about habits of the household or habits of the home. Have you ever heard a preacher talk about spiritual disciplines? Those are to encourage habit making. To have a habit of prayer can help us with prayer. To have a schedule. David was called a man after God's own heart. Psalm 55 and verse 17. He had a habit of praying. 
Daniel, we've already mentioned Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Daniel is called by an angel of the Lord, O man greatly beloved. Why can these things be said about them? Because they were people who prayed habitually. They had a schedule of prayer. So in a sense, they made it a habit to pray at set times during the day. And can I say it would not hurt to imitate them in our lives. We often sing about praying morning, noon, and night. That's encouraging. Make it your habit. Wake up and make it your habit first thing in the morning to pray. Do you have to get on your knees by the bed? Do you have to pray for five minutes? Or can you simply begin with a a short time of prayer? I would say that most of us, most of you, are like me, that it's easy to reach over and to grab that device and to instantly get back into the world of whatever's going on around us. May it be our habit to begin in prayer, maybe even before touching one of these things, but also just in general. Schedule times of prayer help us with those habits and hopefully make a life of praying. At the very least, make time each day to spend time in prayer. But can I suggest to you secondly, when should you pray? It should be spontaneous. Prayer should not just be limited to set times. In fact, I would suggest, if you're like me, I sometimes struggle because when my prayer life is not what it should be and then I find out that I need to pray for someone or something in particular, when my prayer life has not been as good as it has been, I get a message from Charles and he says, hey, somebody's in the hospital and you need to pray for them. You know what I struggle with? struggle with thinking, I've not brought anything else to God in a long time. And while I know I need to pray for this person, I know that I've not been doing what I need to do. Scheduled prayer is good. It keeps us in that habit. So that when the times come along that spontaneous prayer is necessary, it's a good thing. And we fall right into that habit of praying. Jesus, of course, in Luke chapter 6, spent all night in prayer before selecting his apostles. Acts chapter 16 Paul and Silas prayed in prison when faced with trying circumstances. Our kids are about to study Nehemiah beginning this afternoon in the Bible Bowl. Nehemiah chapter 2, when Nehemiah is before the king, he prays silently. It seems as if on the spur of the moment, he just prays. In 1 Chronicles chapter 5, the Israelites pray on the battlefield. They pray in the heat of battle when they know they need to turn to God. We should pray whenever and however the occasion calls for it. Of course, the encouragement from Paul is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. Pray without ceasing. If you pray morning, noon, and night, and in the middle of the morning when you find out about somebody that needs prayer and you pray, and then later in the evening when you're home and you pray, then it's just going to be a life of prayer. And you would be someone that we would say is praying without ceasing. We know the who and that's us praying to God. We know the why. But hopefully this morning you've considered the where, the what, the how, and the when. Some of the actions regarding prayer. I'm going to ask you now, if you would, go ahead and put your Bibles away. Maybe pull your songbook out if you'd like to use the songbook as we sing in just a moment. Because we do need to consider as we pray 
The important question for each one of us is, are you able to communicate with the Father? Think about it and let me ask again. Are you able to communicate with the Father? You can only communicate with the Father if you have a relationship with Him. We extend heaven's invitation at the end of our services because the possibility exists that there's someone this morning who doesn't have a relationship with the Father. You're not a child of God, so you're not able to communicate with Him in the same way as someone who is. And so we stop, even at the end of a lesson on prayer, and extend heaven's invitation. In connection with what we're talking about, it's so that you can pray with confidence anywhere, anytime, about anything. But as you examine yourself this morning, maybe you're here and you're not a child of God because you've never put Christ on in baptism. We sing to encourage you that you would do that, that you would then be added to the church by the Lord and begin with the family, in the body. Having that privilege, the privilege of prayer, was a whole other lesson we could have looked at. About how wonderful it is to be able to go to Him, but we can only do that when we're right with Him and we have the right relationship. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, we sing to encourage you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've wandered away. Maybe that relationship is not strong because there's separation. You know what happens in our earthly relationships, right? We could all go through our, we could all go through our phone and think about friends from jobs or, or college or whatever it might be. And some of them we're not as strong with. Why is that? Because time separates us. Distance separates us. Somebody moves away. The beautiful thing about our relationship with God is the only thing that separates us from Him is our sin. That's not a beautiful thing, but it's beautiful because we can know how to rectify it. We know how to fix it. If you're a child of God this morning, you've had that privilege of prayer. Maybe your sin has separated from you from him and you need to come back to him. We're thankful that we can confess our sin, repent to him and pray for forgiveness. And he is just to do, to, just to do just that so that we can walk in the light as he is in the light. The song that we're about to sing is about being in need of a savior. Are you in need of a savior? to cleanse you of your sins so that you can be a child of God? Are you in need of a Savior to help you in your communicating with God? Jesus is willing. He shed his blood. He wants to welcome you in. The Father wants to welcome you in to become a child of God or come back to him even now as we stand together and as we sing.